Hello people, welcome to the When in Yorkshire podcast. It's been a while, um, I hope you're all well and you're getting by in these ongoing Covid times. If you're listening in the future and things such as meeting people, shopping, uh, gigs, things like that are no longer dictated by this virus, uh, then I hope you're having an even better time and I very much look forward to joining you. Um, this is episode 44. Um, and it's it's a pretty special one for me. I have chosen so far not to do any recordings using the magic of the of the internets so far, but um, this is an exception as it's for a great cause, um, and it's it was a great excuse to catch up with one of my close friends who I haven't seen for the the longest time since we've known each other. Um, I've been lucky enough to call uh, Alan Davis, not that one off the telly. Um, but a different one, a friend for over 25 years now and I've spent most of that time making music in one form or another and most predominantly in the, the band that, that we talk about, our previous band, Utoxeter. I'm not going to give a big intro and go into what we discuss, I'll, I'll leave that for you to to listen to but I do just want to highlight a couple of things. Um, it's worth putting extra weight on the fact that we decided to have this chat in order to promote um, our support for blood cancer charity DKMS who are on a mission to delete blood cancer Um, and we we speak about two campaigns Um, firstly 10,000 donors campaign um, and Evie needs a hero and both of these are are campaigns that impact people that that we know personally from our previous hometown of Whitby Um, I do, since recording this, and it's it's been less than a week since we recorded it, Evie's family have announced that they found a donor for her, which is absolutely amazing and shows that it, it really can make a difference to somebody's life. Um, I found out through seeing them uh, pop up on Facebook with screenshots of them being on this morning um, talking to Mr Schofield. So yeah, it's it's amazing what this can do. And if you take nothing else from this podcast this this week please go and register at dkms.org.uk. You you can request your swab kit from there and become a potential lifesaver. We are supporting this through donating 50% of any of the funds that are gained from the final Utoxeter release, as well as any other sales of any previous releases or, or leftover merch and things like that in order to help DKMS in, in, in the excellent work that they do. Um, this was a great little chat. Um, it was, you know, quite self-indulgent, if I'm honest, but I absolutely loved it. I hope you enjoy it. It's quite a long one, but uh, but yeah, stick with us. Um, enjoy episode 44 with Alan Davis. I think I probably don't E-talks. actually know the answers to most of the questions. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be quite interesting. So, so I've been really looking forward to this because I don't think um, in all the time we've been in a band together, we've probably talked about most of this stuff i reckon we probably haven't talked about yeah. any of it really um so. no, absolutely it's not it's a lot of the questions that that i generally ask in this podcast um are not sort of things that you would generally just ask somebody who you know, <laughs> yeah. who you're friends with yeah um Although I might start doing it, I might just make a like have a clipboard with me at all times, um, <laughs> and just start asking people these questions. I would love so, that. Um, 
<laughs> do this properly, I am speaking to uh, Mr. Alan Davis of Utoxeter and of um, My General Friendship. Hello. So, hello. Um, yeah, I guess like start start from the very beginning. Right. Um, so you've you've been a part of some of these recordings, so you'll know some of the sort of things that I'm going to ask you. Yeah. But let's let's and I, I've I, it's been interesting because I've had to think about the answer to these as well for my, myself in more detail than I normally would in preparation for for a podcast. Cool. So for you then, what what is your earliest memory of, oh, of music? You know, bad. I actually generally <laughs> it's like after literally the first question I've asked everyone. I know, I've heard all of your podcasts as well, and <laughs> I, I didn't think that this one would Stalker. get asked of me. Um, my earliest musical memory, uh, I think it's a pretty good one. I can remember being sat in the car with my parents in the front driving. Uh, I can't remember which one, but I was sat in the car in the back, and I remember walking on the moon by the police playing. That's a really oh, yeah. That, no, that's good. Yeah, it's a really early memory for me, and remember loving it. I also remember Christmas time one year decorating the Christmas tree, and with two thousand one A Space Odyssey on the TV, whilst uh, <laughs> Call Me Al by Paul Simon was playing, and that, yeah. that, that for me that that was there. I love that song because obviously you know Call Me Al. I was like, oh, it's, it's me yeah. in the song, and yeah. So I, I always remember that and that bass breakdown from when I was about four or five years old. So I think that was probably about that age. So I reckon that's... So th- those are pretty good. Yeah, it's probably about that age. Yeah, there's some Dire Straits and some Beatles and stuff in there. But yeah, generally those things, yeah. I don't think I've been able to pinpoint one specific or, or even two specific songs. Um, but it's, it's all very much car music for me. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it ranges from... Um, Suzanne Vega, mm. um, the Suzanne Vega out the whole album, yeah. Um, but specifically Marlena on the wall, yeah. Um, that that's that's very much my dad's side, and then my mum just loads of Van Morrison. Um, uh, Moon Dance yeah. probably is 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 the song that that okay. sticks in my head the most. Though those are my car songs, that, uh, that, so I'd and, I remember, and I remember and I remember having those. No, no, that that didn't come in. To, that didn't come until l- much later on, and it was that was never really something listened in the car. Um, mm. Going along the metal side, it was, I guess, it was more the the prog. So it was uh, yes, yes and yeah. yes and yes, Rush mm. um, and Rockwise U two yeah. from my dad. But uh, early wise, uh, yeah, Still. Suzanne Vega and, and Van Morrison. Nice, um, yeah, that's very good. Um, so then. In terms of ever since I've known you, you'd play guitar. Um, I've got a memory of also of, of being in the music room at Cademan in Whitby, um, which is obviously which is yeah yeah, which is where we met <laughs> yeah. when I was when I was twelve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you would have been sort of thirteen. Yeah. I remember um, you playing bar chords and I'm, I'm going yeah yeah, good can play. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how early in the guitar journey we were yeah. back then it's like oh this guy can play bar chords absolutely yeah yeah that's, that's all the chords yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh how I've progressed um, <laughs> drop D don't even really <laughs> need to have the yeah, other fingers lose a couple of fingers <laughs> yeah um, yeah I remember being in there and a specific a specific practice so soul and 
um, Andy Becker mm. uh, and, and Smithy uh, and Icky was there. Good musicians. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and Icky was, Icky was at the college at the time as well, so he'd, he'd made yeah, the effort to sort of come back. Um, it was the first time that I'd met Icky. Um, and they were smashing out, like, Enter Sandman stuff. Yeah. Um, it was the first time that somebody else had taught me a song in any way, shape, or form. I think Andy had to go. And Sol taught me the uh, the bass line for Supersonic. Oh, okay, Oasis. Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, and I remember I remember playing that and just I know that was that was the first time the first time that I'd played bass and that was the first time that was the first time I'd ever picked up a bass uh-huh. and yeah the first that was the first time somebody somebody else had taught me a song right, and yeah. uh, that was insane and I remember thinking I'm gonna have to write this down before he even started showing me it he's like I'm gonna have to write this down or I'm gonna forget it and I'll seem like a right uh-huh. dick when I can't remember it like in a couple of days and then obviously. If anybody knows the song, it's it's a really simple riff. So then I felt even more stupid writing down <laughs> this like, ridiculously simple riff. Oh man, don't worry but about was, it. Like, that was amazing. I spent a good few years feeling stupid around those guys because they were just for their age, uh, for our age oh, at the time. Like some of you know, like Smithy could was playing Satriani when he was like thirteen, yeah. fourteen. Soel was shredding out Metallica solos at that age. Mm. Andy Becker, like, ridiculous rhythm and like, musicality yeah. to his playing. Yeah, we, we were really lucky, weren't we, with that? We were just yeah. surrounded by quality musicians who just sort of pushed each other to to get better and would to, to just play and play and play like, all the time. Yeah. That's just all it was, and I think that that was... That was generally quite a, an inspirational, probably like few weeks for me. Cause yeah. I, you know, I just moved from Boreham Wood and moved up to Whitby. Didn't know anybody, and like literally, I think I met Smithy within two days of being at at the college. It's the hair, in, isn't so it? I'll, yeah, it's the hair. Yeah, it's I had the, very long hair. We all had long hair, but you had the the longest hair of all, and I think that just yeah. long hair just kind of gravitated towards each other didn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that was the point of, of of the long hair at the time for me as well w- was very was very much you know i started growing it when i was little because i had a ridiculous quiff and it wouldn't i either had to have oh, a ridiculously yeah, short hair. That, that bad boy. yeah ridiculously short hair or ridiculously long hair yeah and, and they and smithy just came <laughs> over to me at, at, whilst i was in a in a queue for assembly i think he was head boy or something wasn't yeah he? yeah or, he was you know, yeah. Like <laughs> it was a boy was that? yeah yeah um yeah yeah and, and he and soul came over to me and it was just like whilst i was in the queue with loads of people and they were just like you play guitar like, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah how, how did you know and they just like we have our ways like, right, okay <laughs> and, and, and that was that was kind of it it wasn't really a choice of yeah hi how are you doing it was just very much a you play guitar, right? Come with us. Yeah, which is exactly what I needed. Yeah, yeah. No, that's all. You settled in quickly, though, because um, I do remember being in the music room and playing guitar with you, like early, early on. But one of my strongest memories of that time. So you'd have been 12, 13, twelve, yeah, yeah, twelve, and I'd have been thirteen, and uh, we're all sat in the in the lunch hall. I had some chips in my tray, and like some of the some of the lads started tucking into my chips, like just as as you do and uh yeah like, oh, come on lads you know my, my chips don't eat my chips and then you reached across 
and, and grabbed like a couple of chips. You'd been there like the school a few days, and I was like, "Oh, what's this cocker?" So I got my fork and I stubbed you in hand with it. As you, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, you like reached out, grabbed some of my chips, I and, I just, and I just like stabbed you in hand with my fork. Not hard, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, well, but, yeah, but it was just a kind of like, "Who's this kid? He's only been here a few days. He's nicking my chips." <laughs> <laughs> I have no memory of that. Yeah, I'm yeah. very sorry. It's quite all right, man. Yeah. Like, we've we've shared many a chip over the, uh, the years. I, w- I definitely not not you know wouldn't fuck with anybody's food anymore. No, and, it, was, uh, it was all good. I'd, I'd, I would, I'd probably cower if someone stabbed me with a fork now. I, no, I see. <laughs> I, I secretly uh, appreciated that. I was like, yeah, nice yeah. one. Cool. Yeah. So and then. In terms of you picking up a guitar, then mm. that was was that was that your first instrument? I think you had yeah. you played fiddle I or did. violin or yeah, violin. Was it, did violin come first? Uh, kind of. You know, my dad. He's I he, like, always had instruments around the house when we were growing mm. up. You know, he made a couple. Um, he's one of those people that could pick up an instrument and get a tune out of pretty much anything in yeah. not very long. And yeah, so he always had guitars and basses around, and he was playing in cover bands or Kaylee bands when I was young and stuff like that so there's always instruments around and so I'd pick things up and try and you know emulate that but yeah the first instrument I properly started playing was violin I got this sort of like test and I did work very well and they offered me lessons so yeah fine yeah it wasn't the the happiest musical experience of my life the teacher was quite a taskmaster and after a, a couple of years playing that I found Nirvana and the Levelers and I didn't really want to be playing. I don't even remember what. It was just little tunes. It wasn't even classed as classical mm. music. It was just, you know. The Learning l- how to make a noise. Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. Which basic. start for violin. Yeah. God, that's horrific. It was, yeah, basic orchestral stuff. And again, with my dad, you know, I'd go back and I'd feel like, like my dad would pick up the violin and be playing tunes. And I'd be like, that, you don't even play. Like, and, I, and, I was, <laughs> and I was, like, sucking. So after... Yeah, after a couple of years of that, after hearing Nirvana, that was it. All I wanted to do was play guitar. And I, I suffered yeah. the violin a little bit more purely because I was loving the levelers, but never got to play anything like that. So uh, I got an electric, my first electric, electric guitar that we bought for 40 quid of Potter. Um, for <laughs> for 40 quid. And it was uh, a... Potter. Yeah, a Fender Squire Bullet, which we, yeah, I loved that guitar. In fact, I found a copy a few years back. Yeah, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Like, that, and, uh, so I bought a, yeah, another one of those. But that was my first guitar when I was 13, and that was that was when I feel like I properly started playing, yeah. So, so what yeah. what was it about what was it about Nirvana that that captured your interest? Have you heard uh, them? In, in... <laughs> 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 not 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 just musically, but yeah. in terms of I want to play that. Yeah. What was it that? Yeah. I think this is probably something that's been said many times by many people. Is that that sound? It just it didn't sound like it was too tricky to play. Mm. You know, you listen to something like Metallica, and then you listen to Nirvana, and Nirvana is instantly more accessible, I guess. Um, yeah. But it was more the hundred yeah, percent agree the power and the attitude, wasn't it? And you know, I remember I was round at Doddy's house. We were eleven, I think, and uh, and he put on his brother's Nirvana tape. It would have been, and that was it. And it was just like, fucking hell. Lit, Which like, album was it for you? It wasn't an album. It was the was it 
the All Apologies single or something or EP or something. Oh wow! So okay, yeah, yeah, you know the one with the seahorses on the front. Yeah, and um, I think he played. I think that had like All Apologies, Rape Me, and Moist Vagina on it. And I think he played me that. And you know, as an eleven-year-old, like these are bad words. And yeah, up to then, you'd, you'd hear the odd Guns and Roses, Meatloaf, Brian Adams, sort of the rockier side of things. But basically before that, it was all pop or what I'd heard from my dad. But then, you know, you hear Nirvana and it's like... Yeah, yeah. I can still remember that that moment so clearly. Just yeah, It changed everything. I was like, what is this? And yeah, that was it. That was it for me. I, he also played me the levelers the same day. And uh, yeah, things like... <laughs> And that's, that that's was, a great mix. It was a mint mix, yeah. and it was a mint, mint day. I still remember <laughs> it so clearly, yeah. Um, levelers, levelers. It was, yeah. yeah. So that was it, and yeah, I just wanted to wanted to play guitar, but it was actually about a year and a half before I actually fully got round to doing it. But it was, it, it coincided. A lot of the guys I was starting to hang around with were, were starting to listen to music like that whether it's it had been passed down from bigger brothers or headbangers ball on mtv or whatever you know like just hearing that stuff and then after that it snowballed it was just i want more i want more everything that had heavy guitars in it didn't really care i just wanted to listen to it i think uh yeah. so much so at much, that like, time like sound garden stuff you know and i'd go around to like um soul's house and he'd have headbangers because he had sky and that was the only yeah. guy i knew had sky and so we'd be watching like you know, be with some better butthead or um, like Headbangers Ball would come on, and they'd be interviewing all these bands. You know, like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, yeah. Soundgarden, like Smashing Pumpkins, Sepultura, Pantera, Metallica, Megadeth. All of it was just all I had to do was go onto Souls House, and it, we're just getting this musical education of heavy music. And it, yeah, I just yeah. I didn't care as long as it had kind of overdriven, distorted gu- guitars in it. I was I was up for it really at that time i wasn't i didn't become discerning until a little bit later i mean yeah it was ding ding's big brother on a france trip when i was in year seven gave me a copy of an ugly kid joe tape and <laughs> and I, that had swearing in it and you know yeah um yeah and that was it had fast guitar solos in it i was like yeah and some funky riffs now yeah love that nice Nevermind was the first was the first Nirvana album I heard. Mm. Uh, Lithium was the first I think was the first song I ever heard, right. um, which was just n- like nothing yeah. I'd ever heard before. In terms of lyrical content as mm. well, you know most of the stuff that you know I I'd, I was into I was into the Iron Maiden at that time. Um, Alice Cooper was kind of my way into Iron Maiden. Yeah. My friend had had Alice Cooper. Hey, stupid. Um, mm. And I think I was partly just taken by the cover because that's such a great cover mm. for for Hey Stupid, the kind of neon skull that, that with all you know with all the kind of bling and stuff and snakes and, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. sorts around it. Um, but all, all of and, and you know the and Black Album Metallica I heard around the same time. Yeah, and that the artwork um, for that as well really striking. Like the Beatles yeah. White Album is just black and it's white. It's just yeah, yeah, no shit. Yeah, great album. And then. But but all of them lyrically were all singing about you know hey babe and and all of this and you know all, all of the, it's like this hangover from the eighties yeah yeah absolutely so and I know and at the time as well I was I just got massively into madness as well mm. slightly slightly different but you know that that 
Madness had a closer link to Nirvana for me because they were both sure. kind of stories and there was a lot of personable stuff in there. Yeah, I get that. Um, and it, yeah, it, it really captured captured me just just listening, trying to figure out what these people were talking about because it wasn't talking about you know love or a lot of the time, not not you know not in the same way that that, that all of the the eighties metal and stuff so it was just a different take on life which, yeah. you know, which madness has as well in the kind of comical nature as it was well. like that sort of angst um, and apathy wasn't it that just yeah like that it was that's that lyrical style that yeah i haven't heard anything like that yeah you're right no and 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 then yeah and then my friend who you know we both started playing the guitar at the same time when i when i was sort of 10 11 mm. and I hadn't really got to grips with it at all and just wasn't, you know, I, I wanted to, I really, really wanted to because my uncle played and, and it was amazing to watch, but I just couldn't get my head around it whatsoever. And then in the same weekend, he'd just learned um, Inside by Stiltskin. <laughs> um, and I was just like, that's amazing. That, you know, on, it was on an acoustic guitar, he didn't have an electric. So Neither of us had an electric guitar, it was on an acoustic. He t- and, he, and then he, and he taught me to play that horrifically. But I was just like, that's amazing. And then the next day he came round and he'd kind of hashed together uh, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm. And I was just like, this is, this is amazing. These, you know, I, could, I can, and in my head, I can make the same noises that I'm hearing. And I've never yeah. been able to do that before. And that was just absolutely groundbreaking. Yeah, it's yeah, key, isn't but, it? And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, Andy um, Becker was the same when he came. He started nice. just he was playing Hendrix and uh, you know could play Nirvana and, and it, it was just like wow we can play these you know and uh, yeah yeah in some form yeah I don't I mean oh. in in my head at the time I knew it wasn't perfect but I was like I'm absolutely smashing this <laughs> and it was about that it was about that energy it doesn't matter yeah, right. like I knew that I was getting the strumming wrong and I remember thinking my God the strumming for Smells like Teen Spirit is is ridiculously hard. Yeah. Just to flick between palm muting, uh, no, to flick between muting and and strumming, and just like being able to get that, f- yeah. that dexterity and it's a big it, big it day when big day when you get the solo down in it. It's like oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I remember yeah. still sat up in uh, Icky's bedroom trying to trying to learn "Come as You Are" as a riff, and it, it's <laughs> it's seeming like almost insurmountable. Impossible. Yeah yeah and. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, and a few weeks later it was kind of like right, that's easy, and you know, yeah, the, the progress was was it was a, it was steep, wasn't it? It was quick and yeah, fast one. Absolutely, with, with when you've got guys. that passion, when you've got that passion, and it's something that you can get, even if it's not perfect, but you can get it, and it, it's about that. Uh, you know, the music was about it. It's about the energy and about mm-hmm. you know, it, it can be raw. It should be raw. Mistakes make it charming in many ways as well like you say the the progress becomes really quick when you've got that desire and that passion yeah. and you're making some noises that in some way you can you can put together and say yes i'm achieving something mm. next thing give me the next thing give me and, yeah, was, yeah. and like you said there was so much that's what it was and tab books as well out at that time you could just you know yeah tab books for you know birthdays or christmas or the you, internet. yeah and or you borrow them from your mates you know, and you just be pouring mm. through these tab books and or listening, trying to work stuff out by ear. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, good, good times. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. In terms of you playing live, then, mm. so you guitar-wise, I'm assuming that was the first thing. Yeah, um, I liked singing as well, uh, and I, I 
I started playing the drums as well. Um, yeah, just I, I had a memory of you playing the drums. Yeah, in that I think you you were you were playing the drums. I think Icky had to leave at, like a, a different practice yeah. that, that Sol and, and Smithy and that were having, and I think you took over on the drums. Yeah, I wasn't very good, but I enjoyed it. I liked it. Doddy was really good, and he, was, he yeah. would he was kind of he would show me a few things, and then Potter would show me a few things, and yeah, but um, he was great as well. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, excellent and and icky so there were drummers around who i'd watch and try and copy and you know you'd listen to music i I enjoyed that a lot uh but i wasn't very good and i I didn't stick with it because i didn't have a drum kit so uh it was hard to play regularly whereas everyone else who was good at drums had a drum kit set Mm. up in their house it was a shame it was a shame but um i just i stuck with guitar and and I, I always enjoyed singing, especially that I really enjoyed trying to harmonise early on. Like Daz and I would always mm. try and sing together, and he'd he'd sing some, and I'd sing over the top, and likewise. So we learnt to harmonise early doors as well, you know, just naturally from listening to stuff. And, yeah. Um, so that was always good fun. So yeah, I, d- I played drums a little bit live in a couple of school concerts in assembly, and, and guitar a little bit, and maybe some vocals. But yeah, I'm trying to think what the first live performance was. It was probably it was probably a an assembly at school, like playing some Metallica yeah. or Hendrix or Nirvana or something. <laughs> he's just yeah, just smashing out some Hendrix. He's just smashing out some Hendrix. <laughs> like, as as yeah. you know, it, it yeah yeah. I definitely remember. Was that that was that would have been around around twelve as well, so twelve thirty. Uh, yeah, it, it'd be more like thirteen fourteen, I think. Because I think we spent most of that that first year sucking and getting mm. you know um so by but by 14 i think we were all you know practicing to play and wanting to just play in the school assemblies and yeah. school barbecues and stuff i remember coming back when i was in year 10 from uh whitby community college back to school uh, back to caben and yeah we, we were playing all along the watchtower and i think yeah my dad sang my dad sang it and uh nice. Yeah, yeah, and then we came back and played a few songs in an assembly at Caben. We were we were fourteen then, I think. But um, yeah, we played around that sort of time. We were playing in and around school a lot. We hadn't played like proper gigs at that point. We spent a lot of time going to gigs. You know, whenever there was a, a gig on in Whitby, we'd be there. But yeah, I think those are my earliest playing memories. In, you, you kind of mentioned, and you know, the the big thing for for me with that was. Watching live music for me was all about Stakesby Arms. Oh right, that was that was my first experience. I guess I, I'd, I had been I had seen other gigs, and you know when I when I was a lot younger as well, mm. um, when my mum was working for the council, like part of the arts side of the council, she'd put on some some town twinning things where some nineteen year olds came over from Germany and they put on like a, a heavy metal night, and that was amazing. I think awesome. I could only have been nine or ten then. That's class. And it was in a, it was in like a sports hall, and they got like a huge PA, and they were as far as I remember, the band were amazing. Mm. There was like three German bands, I think, um, and they were absolutely outstanding. But then being a teenager and going to a pub, and I remember I remember my first sort of experience of of that that scene that became so important to me was Swim, um, uh-huh. and it wasn't it wasn't Grebo. They hadn't formed yet. I don't remember who else was who playing was it? it, but it was two bands. Um, Could it have been Inertia? 
It could have been. I I wouldn't I wouldn't know. But yeah, I remember swim swim playing, um, and I just remember walking into that back room, that tiny tiny back room <laughs> of the Stakesby Arms, and the drum kit being set up, the school PA being there. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I know you've and talked about just, this on the podcast, aren't you? Just nick, yeah, so, nicking the school PA, like just so bundling it into someone's car. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, and some mics being there, and just thinking. Fucking hell, Tapes what a mic stands. Yeah. Like, yeah. Amps on possibly, chairs and stuff. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely amps on chairs. Definitely yeah. definitely some some combos on chairs at the back. But remember thinking, that's a proper setup. So that's quite late on. And that that would have been, been amazing. So that would have been like, you'd have probably been about 14, 15 at that sort of time. Yeah, 14, yeah. Because I felt like we were quite spoiled was, in Whitby for a bit. Because I remember going to Whitby now in 92. Yeah. And there was like the Vampire Prawns played China Dolls, who like members later went on to uh, form was it Baby Shambles or the Libertines or something? You know that lot? Like, is it, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, from it was, it was John Baby Paul Shambles, and Steve yeah. and everything. yeah, them lot. That and I remember that going. What is this? They're in, like string vests, sunglasses, hair all over the place, drinking, mm. shooting whiskey on stage. Um, <laughs> it was just really obnoxious trashy rock and i remember going whoa this is serious stuff you know and because yeah. that would have been what 10 11 at the time yeah 10 mm. yeah i remember seeing that and going whoa this is crazy stuff but then after getting to rock music properly there was there were bands like sludge gore friends of dorothy who were loved um horn yeah i only saw them once yeah friends of dorothy ah mm. oh, amazing they were great um and horn they were that was the band for me because they were funky and heavy, and they were playing. You know, they went on to form Swamp Donkey afterwards. Years oh later. yeah, I remember Swamp Donkey. So, so yeah, yeah. Horn were Horn were great. I remember watching like the bassist snap his bottom E string with his thumb, like, slapping it, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that was my first ever gig." Uh, Church House. That was the, oh, yeah, 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 that was my first proper ever gig. So I'd have been maybe twelve, thirteen, and yeah, Horn were mint because they were busting out. Alice in Chains, sort of Chili Peppers, early Chili Peppers stuff, and their own stuff, which was really grungy and all kinds of dirty guitars going on. And there were some yeah. good bands at the time. I think that gig was probably, yeah, it was probably Sludge Gort, Friends of Dorothy and Horn. Yeah, and that was it. Once you'd been to that first live gig, it would just eat it up wherever they played. So yeah, they'd play at um, was it the, the Friendship Club, Church House, mm. maybe even some gigs at the Pier Inn. Um, yeah, like some, just wherever, wherever the player would be yeah. at. Yeah. Um, part of its charm, but part of the issue as well with Whitby is that there isn't there isn't a venue. There was never a no. like a, a, a other than the spa, which is you know a, a theatre. Yeah, massive. Um, there isn't a dive venue. No. as such, with you know there there, there isn't a you know what, what later grew to love you know there wasn't the cockpit there wasn't the charlotte there wasn't fibbers or yeah. anything like that there's nothing um, and so it was very much of everybody having to find your own equipment completely yeah you know like you said down to mic stands down you know everything it was completely it, diy it when it, it was just yeah and it, it, it was a case of nicking whatever you could from school scraping like you say scraping together whoever could get mics together sometimes you know it was one mic and four people had to sing into it and it was very much like that which is amazing really like considering how many 
how many bands came out of those years um, yeah. and were playing together for such a long time when there wasn't anything really to prop that up and to support that other than the willingness of the the people to do it and the owners of those pubs that would say yeah, yeah and yeah. kind of turn a blind eye to lots of young teenagers doing stuff that wasn't necessarily good for their health but or legal or legal yeah, yeah. um but yeah it was and not charging us i think that was yeah. one of the massive things is that we managed yeah. to find so many places that would say yeah do what you want yeah. we're not going to charge you either which is why they didn't care if they were underage because they were making a yeah. killing from the bar it's like yeah. <laughs> when you yeah, when you're 13 14 and you can go and order a pint of beer and they give it to you yeah, yeah. It's, it's happy days, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that, and I was, um, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this, and you know, when we were when we were trying to do this face to face, when that was allowed, yeah, without th- threat of death, um, I, I was thinking, like, what, what, what could we do to recreate some of that atmosphere? You know, you can't buy Castle Main Forex in the UK anymore. I, I haven't seen it for years. Like since no, I haven't seen it, thing that you can't yeah, do. yeah, I haven't seen it since it was about one fifty a pint. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's why you can't get it in more because you can't charge more than that for it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, one fifty at the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, you know, drink drink five pints and you get a t shirt. Yeah. I had that t shirt for years. Yeah. Or you like, or you drink ten pints and you get another pint free. So I was like, well, that's yeah. that's a good incentive, isn't it? Right there. Yeah, um, or get all like two pint glasses. Yeah, you know, a, a two pint. You know, I can't. I don't yeah. know what, like a Steiner sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. So good, so good. Yeah. So, but um, for a while there, though, there wasn't. You know, talk about all these going to all these gigs when you're like thirteen, fourteen. But when when we were about fourteen, they seemed to stop. You know, there wasn't. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of the a lot of the people in these bands were quite a bit older than us and were maybe at a time where they were getting jobs or stopping or mm, having other, yeah. other influences. It was a lot of effort. It was a lot of effort. But these, these felt like professional bands to us. And they were, they were good. But for a while there wasn't anything that was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, what are we going to do? So it was a case of just going, right, well, we'll put our own gigs on because we've seen people do yeah. it. So let's go for it. So that was, yeah, you kind of realise that you you probably could try and do some or some kind of facsimile of, of a gig because you'd seen other people do it. I'm like, well, yeah. how hard can it be? You just get a load of equipment and play on stage. Turn right? it on. Yeah, turn it on, that's it. And, you know, yeah. that was initially harder than it looked, but, um, you know, yeah. we got better. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Lee's testament to that. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, the amount of times, pretty much all of the gigs that we played in, in those days were a four channel, maybe six channel PA and everything went into that. Yeah. And no mics, no mics on the guitars. It was just turn your, turn your amps yeah. up loud. If you're Vocals feeling through the PA, kick drum if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're feeling particularly saucy, uh, yeah, yeah, a kick drum in the uh, a mic in the kick drum, and if you know, geez, if there was a spare mic kicking around, which there really was, you know, that might go on the, the snare and the hi hat. That was later on though. That yeah. was, yeah, oh, that know, was when we started to get the skills. Yeah, that's when we started to realise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the energy of the energy of those gigs was amazing. Like yeah. genuinely, even like looking back on it, and and you know we have done 
reminisced quite a lot recently with the with all the old gig posters going up on on the Facebook groups and yeah. stuff like that, and loads of the photos. Just, and the, the energy, even in those photos, was absolutely yeah. amazing. I, do you know, I just wish there was there were more photographs. You look at some of like some of the early scenes in in wherever, say Washington or or Seattle, or whatever. You see so many like photographs from back in the day before these bands had come through the ranks and there were people taking photographs but there never seemed to be anyone with a camera mm. at these gigs certainly the early ones and it's a shame because there were a lot of a lot of people turned up to these gigs and there were a lot of good times that are only really rarely captured on photograph and even far rarer on on a video camera you know, someone that might have had a camcorder yeah. at one or two gigs you know yeah, I'd, I'd love to get my hands on some of that footage. I think. Well, it's, it's because the only people that were above the age of 19 were the bar staff. Yeah, yeah. And no one had any. Pretty no much. You know, for a good for a good four years yeah. of, of those gigs, nobody nobody was above 20, certainly. Yeah. For, Absolutely. Know, for, so you didn't have any older people going, oh, no. this, this is cool. I'm going to take, I'm going to document this. I'm going to take some photographs of this. You never had that. It was, yeah, literally. 14, 15 year olds running around the place, wasn't it? Yeah. Running the whole thing. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was, yeah, the, 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 the those, ro- those rare photos are, are absolute gems. There are some outstanding ones. That one with Damien in the mask, that is still, <laughs> that is still such, yeah. it captures the energy so well. It's, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah, so, that was great. We, we, you know, both of us, we, we both played in, in many bands. Yeah, uh, in and around Whitby for that. I say in and around Whitby, just around Whitby. Occasionally venturing to maybe a village hall just outside yeah. of Whitby, or Scarborough. Um, if, you, yeah, if, you, if you hit the big time, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Loudmouth did a couple of times. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, that was you sold out. Yeah, as, yeah. as the songs as the songs documented, yeah, you sold out if you right. went to Scarborough. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> to, to Murray's. Yeah. Um, that had a stage and a, and a PA that was there all the time. It was purposefully built for gigs, and that's too much. I know. I remember La- Loudmouth later on, this is getting to like 2001, played a gig at, I don't even know what the venue was called. It wasn't really a venue, again. And it was in Scarborough. And we played with a Scottish band and, and Joe 90. Um, oh, yeah, we, yeah. We looked out there. And then, yeah, this uh, Scottish band, Raucous, raucous punk band and then like midway through the show just started emptying bottles of Buckfast all over themselves all over the crowd <laughs> and that was my first introduction to Buckfast just like oh, God. oh man that was messy it was such sticky stuff and it went everywhere it was yeah. like all in your hair and in your face all down <laughs> your clothes and most of it in your mouth and oh, that was a good gig but yeah that was yeah. that was that was the one time played Scarborough that wasn't in Murray's or pavilion vaults as it was and, and things like that yeah. yeah 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 and um so yeah fr- from there you joined uh when i was playing with some f- form of tipping reliance bug mm. w- one of them you joined us on stage for a few uh kazoo solos and i th- and, and bass yeah. a couple of times i remember we did yeah we there's did photo few, evidence of that you joined us that was yeah uh, yeah joined you on stage on bass because uh I guess Barber couldn't make it. Um, yeah. But it was that Loudmouth comeback gig, you know, because you remember yes, uh, just, as, just as Loudmouth was starting to, you know, get a bit of a head of steam and, and have some kind of talking about trying to play outside of Whitby and 
go and record and we were like, oh yeah, we'll record a demo, we'll send it off, record companies will love it and we'll get signed and we'll go and be rock stars or whatever. Yeah, we thought it was going to be that easy. And uh, then Tim broke his arm. You go out and you get paid. Yeah, that's it. Cut to an LP, slam it on the TV. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah, so... And then, yeah, Tim went and broke his arm. Well, Smedboy broke his arm. And then uh, had several months uh, not being able to do anything. And then we came back and played that gig at the the end of summer, I think it was, at the Stams, and that was rammed. And... uh, yeah, I think that was the the Isle of Allen stickers gig. <laughs> yeah. Fucking assholes. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, you guys said, "Do you want to play bass?" So I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that." That was wicked. I think I played kazoo when Lloyd couldn't make it on occasion, like a couple of times yeah. before that. Pretty good with a kazoo. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was it was very much that whole that whole scene for there was a real kind of it was a community it was and there was a lot there was a lot of just grab anybody who can make any form of noise yeah. and you know swapped members all over the place yeah. and did that then there was quite a clear divide as well but when when I think it was probably when the new metal scene happened silence so, yes rule of nine specifically with yeah yes yeah, yeah. but more rule of nine seemed to get away with it for some reason i don't know why but people just seemed to it was it was accepted they were older as and well I think, yeah maybe that was it maybe it was an age thing yeah um or maybe uh, but then but silencers seemed to rile some people up and I, I don't know whether it was because they didn't just just play in whitby or uh-huh. whether, or what, or I actually don't know what it was. I loved them. Or maybe it was, maybe they were just like, maybe because they were really good. Yeah, um, they were. Like, <laughs> the, and they were Ben on drums. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they were, they were great. They were really good. They I, I yeah, love, I love really good. I listened to and, their and demo that, recently. That it still holds up. Yeah, that blend. And, but like, the kids went nuts for them. I think it's because mm. new metal obviously was starting to, to get really big then. Yeah. Really big. You know, Limp, Limp Biscuit had blown up, and they got quite a bit of following in Whitby, didn't they? For you know the little Whitby scene, but it I know and what you outside, mean. yeah. I think as soon as people outside of Whitby liked them, it seemed to rile people up a bit. Yeah, that's um, right. which is which is such a massive shame. Yeah, because it's the way it goes. They were in just... that place. It's the way it goes in Whitby. No, no one likes people going and playing other places. I don't know whether it's jealousy or or kind of like reluctance to let something go and yeah i don't know whitby's a very insular or certainly was a very insular place not just musically it was just like you know to be considered from whitby your your grandparents had to to have lived there all your life that sort of thing and you know yeah if you're a whitby you're whitby yeah Yeah. i don't know if that has that mentality (laughs) has something to do with it but but I yeah. think that's part of its char- part of Whitby's charm as well, though. I do, I do remember going to get my dad from a pub. I think I was giving him a lift home, and uh, I was just sat there waiting for him to finish, and we were just chatting. And some guy said something, and there were some building work was happening somewhere, <laughs> and somebody was just like, "Oh, it's it's all right, dad. Like, it'll be fine. It'll it'll be done pretty soon." And this guy was just like, "Yeah, but you're not even from here." And the guy was like. I've I've lived here for forty five years. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> because he was important. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's absolutely Not outstanding. I I, lo- I love that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, but the, but that yeah, that's that's part of his charm. Yeah, it is. It is, and I think that's one reason why the the 
I hesitate to use the word seen because that wasn't a word in our vernacular at the time, was it? It wasn't. No, that no, wasn't, not at all. That wasn't a, a word we used. It wasn't considered a scene. It was just something that we did. Um, we were unaware that there were scenes like that all over mm. the country. That was just what we did in Whitby. We were definitely very much in our own little bubble. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was. It seemed like there was what was going on in Whitby, and yeah. then there was real bands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, was it. Which was elsewhere. And, yeah, and you had to go to Middlesbrough or Newcastle or Leeds to go and see those real bands. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. But I think at that time, where when Silence came through and those, um, yeah, those metal bands started popping up. Scar and punk was was massive as well. You know, you know yeah. Blink One Eighty Two and Offspring. Blown up like Less than Jake. Yeah, Less than Jake got, and Real Big Fish were played a lot, weren't they? And so you had a yeah. lot of bands start you know, starting to, to come through playing that style of music as well. Like like John the Dog were one of those like yeah. sort of new that first wave of bands, you know, you had Swim, Grebo, Loudmouth, and then later a bit later Moss Eisley, Specky Sue and the Lasses yeah, yeah. in Glasses. You know, um, Winnie and the Honey Monsters and, and all that. You know, sort of, those are the sort of bands kicking around that time. And then Seven Inch or Tin Fish coming through. Yeah. And obviously you guys in um, Bug or and then Tipping Reliance. So there was a lot. You know, there's the sort of first wave and then that second wave, which uh, was it Adam and the Pants and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all that, that sort of second wave bands. And then, but then you had like John the Dog. And by that point, loads of people were at gigs. People were like spread across four or five years at school, and yeah. everyone, and so there were eighteen, nineteen-year-olds right down to fourteen-year-olds, and I don't know, God knows how many people from each year group there. So these gigs were massive uh, in Whitby terms by then, and so that and yeah, John the Dog came through, and I started thinking, yeah, right, these guys, you know, they're a few years younger, and big crowds coming along, and you know, you really realise that. It kind of taken off in a way for Whitby by the time those guys and that sort of age group of, of bands started coming through. So it was, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a mix between those punky ska bands and those metal bands, wasn't it? And there wasn't much else going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So then, yeah, after after we'd played in various different bands, yeah, yeah, we we then formed Utoxeter out of a, a blend of various different things, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How how how, did that, how what's your memory of how that came about? Well, like say you had those metal bands playing, you had those punk bands playing, and uh, there was almost a bit of rivalry between them. Not real because everyone was mates, everyone was mates with each other. But there was kind of like a little bit of gentle, not so gentle, but good good natured piss taking basically going on between yeah. punk bands and the, the metal bands that are around. And there's you know it's just what what we call banter, I guess. And I think. It sprung out of there because obviously you had Ben playing in Silence. You were playing with was it Persnickety at that point? Um, yeah, no, no. I think it. I think Persnickety had finished. I think it had moved. I think I'd was placing, um, placing, placing. Yeah, yeah. That was Ben, Rick, and Chris Meiser. Ah, yeah, yes, it was. Of course, sorry. And then Mosh was playing bass for Pifco, and so they were playing some cool, like funky stuff. And we'd gone away to uni at that point, so we were only getting back at certain points for gigs mainly. Um, mm, yeah. And so we were, yeah, us two were talking about forming a band, and we were listening to 
different stuff there where I think we were listening to in that first year of uni a lot of Idlewild uh, yeah the remote part had yeah, just come out it, I, rem- I remember that I remember yeah. that coming out you were quite ill I'd had alcohol and, poisoning yeah yes, for three days and then yeah and I listened <laughs> start to start a fresh yeah and, uh, I yeah. remember dropping that I, I think I'd just got that album just as it had come out I bought a load of albums at HMV got like student loan yeah never had that much money in my life so I just went and blew it on music. Yeah. And yeah, I remember leaving leaving that album with you and then coming back late, late, early morning one night and just coming into your room and you're just like, I, I think this album's just changed my life. Yeah, uh, like, <laughs> or, or it saved my life or something like that, yeah. Because yeah. it was their most polished album to date, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, at that point. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. It's a nice blend of stuff. And we listened to a lot of it is great. Hell is for Heroes, Biffy Clyro, <clears throat> Thrice yeah. at that point. Um, Funeral for a Friend was starting, just starting to. Think, was that maybe a bit later on? That was a bit later, uh, yeah. Right, 100 Reasons, certainly. Um, yes, Boy yeah. Sets Fire. Uh, yeah. There was some. Yeah, the eulogy was yeah. out then, wasn't it? So I, I kind of wanted to play some of that was more in tune with what I was listening to because I'd always loved that kind of what I call that Newcastle sound, you know, like. Wild Hearts. Wild Hearts. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I know China Drummer, like Durham, but still class them as being from around the same sort of area. Mm. Um, I still class Three Colours Red as being that because of the McCormack connection with the Wild Hearts. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that kind of... That, <laughs> that, that sounds like a film, the Cormac connection. connection. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was, yeah, that, that sound and that been listened to it for years and, and whatever were a big mm. one because they kind of fused those sort of amazing melodies, that kind of punk sensibility, but with metally riffs, like heavy square edged riffs and loudmouth. My sort of writing and involvement in loudmouth was starting to edge that way anyway. We were starting to use drop D tuning with some of the songs I was writing with loudmouth and we were starting to incorporate some heavier style riffs with some more sort of catchy melodies and i i wanted to yeah put all that together really and we were listening to a lot of the the same stuff and passing each other music at the same time and it just seemed natural for us two to want to to do that we knew how how good a drummer ben was and i think we'd seen mosh's progress and obviously we got on really well with him you've been banned with ben and we just hatched the plan didn't we, we were like well, that's, that's- yeah I remember going back to a gig in Whitby, collaring Ben and Mosh at that at the gig and saying, look, we want to put this band together, let's do it. And they were like, yeah, yeah. sounds mint. And we started practising and it went crazy, didn't it? It did, it did. And it kind of goes back to that thing of that we mentioned about when you first start playing. Yeah. Um, we, we were quite prolific in that first... I don't know, 18 months, I'd say. Well, but that I first mean, summer. Like, forget 18 months. I'm like talking like six weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That first summer. Yeah, that first it went, summer. It went a bit crazy. Yeah, because we'd, we'd written, you and I had written them. Um, I think two songs each, right? Yeah, at this time around, certainly. And yeah, this um, time around. And then, uh, oh, what's it called? I can't remember. I've still got the lyrics to it. I just can't remember the, the song. <laughs> yeah, so we had those four songs and we worked in a couple of covers. And we, within like a couple of weeks, we had four songs good to go. And then I spoke to Ben Quinn, who was putting on a gig at the Metropole, <laughs> a load of bands, maybe like a kind of all day sort of thing, if I remember correctly. And I remember speaking to Quinny one night and he was so pissed. 
And I think I was too, to be fair. <laughs> I was like, look, mate, we've got this new band. Can you like put us on? He was like, I'm really, really tight for slots. I was like, come on, man. And he was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. You can have, you can have four songs. I was like, oh, oh, buddy, cheers, man. That's awesome. So we'd like, we'd like, guys, we've got a gig. Right. Let's, we've got a gig. Let's rehearse. And it's a few weeks away. So we spent pretty much every day rehearsing probably i think we did a good job of sounding all right quite quickly and um i always remember this turn at that gig with all our equipment and stuff quinny was like you're not you're not playing you're not on the bill i was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, you yeah, vaguely remember that i vaguely yeah. remember you coming out going, i was like jesus christ i was like like beside myself like what like what mate you promised me like like, I don't know, a month or six weeks back or something that we could play on this gig. Like, you've got to find us a, a spot. It was like, ah, oh, shit. And like, clearly realised that he was battered when he, we had this conversation and he, he like <laughs> dropped a bollock. So I managed to, to convince him to let us on. And no, no. so you sang the majority of songs that first gig. And I remember like a load of people just got up and started moshing, head banging yeah. to us and jumping around and loving what we were doing. It was like, nice. We've never, played a gig before didn't know what to expect because obviously in Whitby at the time it was kind of either punk ska like ska punk stuff or like new metal-y kind of yeah stuff I guess we kind of fell somewhere in the middle and yeah and people from both persuasions kind of enjoyed it went down really well and on the back of that Alex booked us to headline his headline <laughs> his, his 18th birthday, his 18th birthday. Yeah, yeah, which was which was a month later and so in, yeah, in that in, time we wrote in Robinhood's Bay Village Hall that's right yeah so in that time I don't know if we played another gig in that time um, so we, that might have been our second ever gig like headlining over a bunch of other bands that have been around for for a couple of years and stuff and yeah. I don't know how that might, would have gone down but I guess that wasn't our concern. I'm pretty sure I played in at least one of the Yeah, other you probably bands. did, yeah. There was a there was a time when I was playing three times a night. Yeah, yeah. The drums, <laughs> guitar and drums again. Yeah. Yeah. But um Yeah, I remember that and we, we played that gig and we headlined it and it was rammed, wasn't it? I mean Alex yeah. Alex knew a yeah. lot of people that that village hall was rammed and it was full of pissed seventeen, eighteen year olds going mental that was a wicked gig i think i got a photograph of after that actually it was really really sweaty we didn't yeah we just didn't look back after that did we so we had a whole like decent maybe like half an hour at least set yeah. already and we'd been together practicing maybe maybe six weeks it's worth pointing out how <clears throat> we were doing all this practicing but again the lack of resources in 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 whitby was it was ah. quite outstanding. Oh, was you know, schools closed, so we couldn't we couldn't practice at school. We didn't <laughs> go to the schools. Yeah. That probably wouldn't have stopped us. I don't but think it we, did. You know, we didn't have anywhere. We didn't have anywhere we could practice. And previously, in every other band that I'd been in, we'd practiced in in the music room after, yeah. after college, using all the equipment there because we couldn't find people. You know, there wasn't rehearsal rooms or anything like that couldn't afford to hire out village halls and stuff which which would have charged or scout huts or, or, yeah. or whatever that some some other people did but we were able to make such progress and and make such noise which it straight up was because Ben's parents were just insanely supportive yeah. and you know had certainly for me had had been massively supportive of me making noise you know in in the band side yeah. played with 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 Ben before well in what um, was 
like essentially a very small bedroom. bedroom. Yeah, a very small bedroom. There was a drum riser. <laughs> drum. Yeah. And, yeah, his dad had built yeah. a drum riser. And there's those massive like noise for soundproofing reasons. Yeah, not for not for yeah, <laughs> rockstar rehearsal. Stage. Yeah, yeah. But then there was like those. He's had a few massive... modest lamps in there. A few, you know, just a small lighting rig. Nothing <laughs> small ridiculous. <lighting> rig. <laughs> Smoke machine, yeah. yeah. No, um, so yeah, there was the drum riser, but then there's those shutters over the windows and the doors, you know, yeah. which significantly decreased the size of the room because they were massive, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. To cut and out significantly the increased the, the heat, heat of the room. Oh my god! Because they were insulated. No, they that were. was that was just fiberglass. That was there. a that was a dirty, sweaty room. That one, it. Mm. Yeah, that's very important. Massively, massively creative. Yeah, it, it was an absolute hive of creativity. You know, yeah. certainly for you know, for for Ben, the amount of bands that he was in and the amount of songs that were written in that in those bedrooms. Yeah. Well, we we, we recorded amazing. our first EP in it, didn't we? That's yeah, and yeah, it was just the, the amount of support that we got from them allowed us to make. You know, we weren't not talking about going and playing for an hour. We you know we we went into that house and into those rooms and and played for six hours at a time yeah. you know we'd go and just absolutely take over that house for, yeah. for the day yeah 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 several several days a week yeah. it was yeah. it was quite impressive really yeah it's incredible and then Norrie would ob- obviously uh drive us around all over mm. the country i i remember i speaking to Norrie at ben's wedding about the fact that he'd picked mosh up uh who told his parents he was going to a drama rehearsal um and driven he and him and Ben down to Leicester so that we could play a gig. Our set got cut short. We played four songs. It was with this girl. Oh yeah. So we played fifth we played for fifteen minutes and then we packed up and, and he drove them back home from, from Leicester to Whitby. Wow, that's like uh, that's, best that's, part of two hours. Yeah. Um Yeah, ab- absolutely amazing. Incredible. That's the sort of level of support, yeah. Let's not dust over what you just said there. <laughs> what kind of messed up situation was Mosh involved in that he had to lie to his parents? <laughs> saying that he was at a drama rehearsal to go and play a gig. Like, what kind of excuse is that? It's fine, yeah. Just a drama rehearsal. Yeah. That's incredible. We had many a good year playing across the country. Yeah. Brief venture, brief venture into Spain. Yeah. Um, along with Spanish radio. I don't know, we didn't really set out with any particular goals when we were forming the, the band. Not in, when we were in, forming, no. Your, in your uni in your uni bedroom. No. Um, obviously, as we started to gain some form of following and such, you know, we played in some in some great places and we played some great gigs. Oh, man. Like, yeah. Had some, a lot of fun and met some amazing people. We've ended up playing with some of our favourite bands and bands that, become our favourite bands and oh yeah. yeah people have stayed friends and yeah we've done we've done some ridiculous shows with some amazing bands so very fortunate very lucky yeah um, absolutely and you know a, a, just a couple of mentions um where we've been going we've been talking for a while yeah but um a couple of mentions the holiday plan absolutely amazing um, love them and, to this day. you know now now paper mill who are, who are outstanding? Oh, mate, great um, band. Uh, Ruben, Ruben, obviously, some absolute heroes. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's there's 
many, but you know, I guess I think those ones really, really stick in. Yeah, beyond, stick in my mind. So, you know, the, I always love playing with Beyond All Reason as well. Those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good guys. Like such a great band, and I still yeah, yeah still listen. We played to them. all over with them. Yeah, the, the other guys from York that you know, turn into Glamour of the Kill. Yeah, um, Lynchpin. That Lynch was, they were a lot of fun. They were great. Yeah, they were good lads as well. Yeah, and you know they've gone on to do some great stuff. Ben Ben Hammond has had an insanely successful career. He was the drummer. Is now a, a, a ridiculously successful sound engineer. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and and works in the studio and does some amazing things. Yeah, some of, um, some of those lads but, and bands we played with have gone on to amazing amazing things. Really. Yeah. Absolutely, and it was a fair few that I'd love to have on the podcast to to yeah. chat to. They've done, they've got some amazing stories that I'd, that I'd love to get to. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Last things, all things come to an end, um, yeah. and we are now at the point where we've just released our final EP, which was many decades in the making. Yeah, I mean, um, how long? Yeah, seventeen years after we started. Uh, you were twenty. I was twenty-one when we formed. Yeah, I feel ridiculously proud of what we've done because we never had any financial backing we never had any managers never any never any booking agencies no record labels no no one really got behind us apart from the people that came to our gigs and bought the merch and our music they they really did get behind us though yeah (laughs) some people would travel the length of the country to see us as well you know Kieran would just go anywhere to watch us, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, you know. And now he's uh, yeah got to record that that song with us. Uh, so that was yeah. How many years in the making is that? It's probably about four, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Of, of actual recording through various ups and downs, yeah. of, of which yeah. Um, but that has been released now, um, and all for yeah. for an amazing cause. Yeah. You're, you're slightly closer to this than I am, so if you, do you want to yeah. explain? So it kind of comes full circle, really, because, you know, like I was talking about when we were kids listening to music, and um, our friend, my friends with big brothers were passing music down to us, and, yeah. and I was massively into that sort of Newcastle sound, as it were, and a lot of the bands I got into were through Tim McCleave, mm-hmm. and a lot of the music that he got into was stuff that his brother had heard and passed on to him. And so we were, I don't know, like some of my favourite bands that I still love listening to today, I got into because Tim was into, and Tim was into them because his big brother Pete was into them. So like Pete and Tim, massive influences on not just my music, but whole life because so much of my life has revolved around music so yeah huge huge influence and yeah and then uh, a few years back pete was diagnosed with myeloma and yeah which was just uh yeah it was gutting um absolutely gutting and uh all of us all of the we're, we're all still friends to this day and um We've met, it's it's been nice to sort of it's brought I, I wouldn't say brought us close together because we've still being close but it's still it, I don't know it, it maybe reminds us of how important it is that we're all still close and still friends and you know and how lucky we are that we've sort of been able to grow up and see each other yeah you know become the people we are today Pete unbelievably in the face of all this started. Um, 10,000 donors, which is a campaign that 
set out to try and get 10,000 people to to register up for uh, DKMS, uh, the blood cancer charity. And it's done all sorts of fundraising and awareness raising for that. And it's currently standing at over 85,000 people. That is inspired. That's insane. I know. That, that figure's just... Just astronomical. Yeah, eighty-five thousand people have registered and swabbed their mouths and mm-hmm. put themselves up for being life-saving blood donors through Pete's actions, which is just incredible. And obviously, you know, he's trying to find a donor himself. Within that, he's 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 actually found fifteen donors for other people, which again is I mean, life-saving. Yeah, it's, abs- it's just. I mean, who else outside of medical professions like can say that they saved 15 people's <laughs> yeah. lives or contributed True. to that i don't know not not many i guess um so that's incredible and so that with the whole covid thing and us not being able to play a show a release show for the ep i think we were all planning on a farewell show a, f- a farewell show yeah a farewell to utoxa and a release show for the, you know where for the ep where we'd get you know past members back um, to play and some friends up on stage with us and stuff. It was going to be a right celebration. Uh, but we, yeah, we weren't able to do that this year. Um, hopefully we can still make that happen in the future at some point. I think we owe it to ourselves and all the people that have stuck with us oh, this yeah, time. Oh, yeah, a massive party and play those songs. Yeah, It'd be amazing. exactly. <clears throat> but until that happens, I want to do something with the EP and not just send it out there into the digital ether as it were and um and i've i've been feeling quite frustrated not being able to really do anything to help pete more than register to become a donor tell my friends to do it you know little offers of this and that sharing but posts that he's put up and stuff to help raise awareness it just didn't seem enough really to to help it's such a, a top top bloke um, you know, with a lovely wife and two amazing kids, you just want to do what you can to give him the chance to to be able to see his kids grow up. You know, he at least deserves that. He's such a good guy. So it just kind of came to me. I was like, well, we can use what very little influence and and uh, audience we have to put the word out there about DKMS, about Pete's campaign, 10,000 donors. If you Google any of them, they'll come up on your, your search yeah. and you can find out more about them. And so, yeah, we wanted to just put it up on Bandcamp and obviously they had the No Fee Fridays going on. So we thought, well, if we try and promote it on that, then anything that we sell on that day, we can put 50% of that money back into DKMS and help to, to fund Pete's campaign and, and you know the rest the rest of the money can go to towards you know recouping costs of advertising and promotion and things like that you know just you know costs we're we're not making anything out of it not a penny no, absolutely not, not. not a penny it's all spent yeah so it'd be great to raise as much money for that cause as possible but i think even more important arguably than the money is is the awareness as well and yeah. you know i know some people since releasing the EP, the EP that I've gone and registered to DKMS uh, and have signed up to potentially be life-saving donors, which is amazing. So if we can get every single last person who we can influence to to go and do that, whether they're listening to this podcast, whether they, they watch our YouTube vids or Facebook posts or stumble across us on Bandcamp, if we can convince 
you know, as many people as possible to go and register, then feel that we're helping in some way, trying to help Pete and help other people in Pete's situation. And also since this has all been happening, I was made aware of the EV Needs a Hero yeah, cause, yeah. which is a, an amazing little girl um, from from our hometown, Whitby. So that's, you know, two home connections for us, people mm. who, who need life-saving donors. And I, I mean, I, I follow all their posts on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. And Evie is an incredible little girl. I mean, what, eight years yeah, old? Eight I've years seen old. A lot of these posts. And how she can maintain her outlook and her zest for life. And, ah, uh, man, it's, it's inspiring watching her go and watching her fight this. And if it doesn't make you want to do your bit and help and, you know, do everything you can uh, to try and get some donors for people in these situations, like, like what will, yeah, what will like just, and just you know we've we've put a video together to to show i guess to show how to actually do the swab but yeah also to show how easy it is yeah. to do the swab and it, it you know it's a matter of literally just going on the website filling out a form which only takes a, like three minutes maximum yeah wait for the swab to come through it takes just over 10 minutes to do the swab yeah that's so including five minutes waiting time as well like yeah, yeah. it's it's so easy it's so simple it's so painless and by just taking you know 10 minutes out of your life you could potentially give someone a chance to you know see their kids grow up or be a kid who grows up you know giving people a chance to to fill their um potential and it's 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 such a small ask for such a big potential um outcome that video will come out soon and uh, a bit of fun yeah. uh, swabbing with you toxita <laughs> really enjoyed your uh, your videos of that man that's great um can't wait for people to see it <clears throat> i can't wait for people to see it and then go and do it themselves and get registered it's so important and it's such a small thing to be able to to do um but it could have such yeah. big big consequences so please everyone go to dkms register um, to become a potential lifesaver, please. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll put links to to all the all the campaigns yeah. um, and the DKMS site and such in, in the sort of information for the podcast yeah. episodes. So it's that's so, amazing. Yeah, please, so please go ahead and do that. Yeah, big shout out to Evie and her family and 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 Pete and his family as well because they're amazing, amazing. Yeah, such fighters. Yeah. So um, yeah, lots of love out to those guys and anyone else in a similar situation. But yeah, so hopefully we can do some good with that and we can raise more money, raise more awareness and donors um, to help with that cause through our yeah. through our little EP, our little farewell. And aside from that, I think well, I'm really proud of it. I think the the tracks are... I love the songs. Some of them are songs that were written 15 years ago uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that have been reworked. and Slow burners. Yeah, and then, and some that have been written over the last few years that we never got to play live so pleased with how they've turned out chris uh chris coulter our producer yeah. absolute I was gonna say, well, absolute before wizard we, before love we that man up, other than people who have you know supported <laughs> us when we in in being able to you know form the band and keep the band going yeah chris coulter producer engineer has um <laughs> been been an absolute hero to us yeah. um he was I, I, I remember finding him on the uh that internet yeah where 
and I, I won't name the band, but I remember we, we'd we were looking for for a studio to go and record stuff. And previously, we you know we'd done everything very DIY. We'd recorded our own stuff, and whilst we'd you know whilst we did a, an acceptable job for at the time, it not it, it wasn't polished. It didn't mm. capture us in in the kind of I don't want to say commercial, but I just mean in in, in a professional well, it, light. It didn't sound as good as we could sound. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think it, it it displayed our potential. I don't think it showed off that how good the songs were for me yeah uh, yeah i remember looking for spending a long time on the internet looking for for producers and looking for studios and and, and such and and stumbled across chris um at state when he was at stakeout studios yeah. um and there was a band there that that we'd played with um and i remember hearing the recording that he did and i remember thinking yeah, they they really weren't that good. Oh yeah, I remember they weren't this. that good when we when we when we played with them. Yeah, at they, all. they were um, great energy, but absolutely were not. Didn't sound good. Nice in chaps. Anyway, and I, yeah, yeah, and, and I just but I just remember thinking, wow, <clears throat> shit, if he can make them sound that good, because he made them sound really. It sounded great. Um, he he ticked all the boxes, and then yeah, he just all all the um. Uh, I, I, I guess sort of all the comments about Chris were just, you know, he's really personable um, and just a lovely guy to work with. And that was true. And then some, um, he, I yeah. just found him to be incredibly um, approachable, really, really easy going, but pushed us to what we needed to do to get the recordings. And then, yeah, yeah just, I can't speak highly enough. He's, you know, he's, so, he's got a new project. So generous with his time as well. So generous with his time yeah. and his and his dedication to the project, and, yeah. Yeah, and you know, since since we recorded with Chris, we haven't recorded with anybody else. No. Um, so yeah, and you know, we 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 did record um, the 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 stems, I guess, for the for this EP. But he, you know, he's he's mixed, he's mastered, and he's kind of made it into into what it what it needed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I can't recommend him highly yeah. enough. I mean, um, with you know, he's. Mosh and I spending hours and hours editing to get getting those tracks to something that Chris could use. I know how long and painstaking it was to do that, even though they were like songs that you love and you want to get finished. It was such, it just, it took such a long time because they were in a right mess and, um, or in terms of organization. And we mixed a couple of demos off so Chris had a sort of reference point and, Jesus, they came back sounding everything I'd hoped for when we started recording them. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. Uh, and yeah. and more, these, they, you know, the, the drums sound huge, the bass is an absolute monster, and the guitars just cut through, and the vocals are just blended so well. I was, yeah, really proud of those songs, and, and Chris is a huge, huge part of that, for sure. Yeah. What a guy. Um, and, you know, for... You know, Chris has recorded some amazing stuff. You know, he, he was heavily, heavily involved with, and he's still involved with, um, with Andy from Arcane Roots. Yeah. You know, he was responsible for their live sound for a bit. He yeah. recorded most of their stuff. You know, he was involved with them. He's just recorded, um, uh, he recorded and everything. Empire, who are a wicked band as well. He's just done, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just worked with a guy from Seven Dust as well. It's like, what? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 a guy! So yeah. yeah, anybody looking for a producer, yeah, get in touch with Chris yeah. Coulter. Yeah, definitely put some, put some links on this man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, man, this has been wicked. I could go another hour, but it's getting late. Yeah, 
certainly is. I could, yeah, I could, I could chat forever about those times growing up playing music with you and all the others in Whitby and the last 17 years with Utoxa. Utoxa, we could, yeah, I could go for, for hours, but I won't bore people and I'll let you get <laughs> to bed as well. But I, yeah, I just want to massive shout out to you, man. Like it's been a friggin' pleasure and a privilege it's that been 25 years that we've known each other and most of that time yeah, yeah. most of that time we've been playing music together so yeah uh, on the beach on the on the beach in classrooms <laughs> warming up in in toilets yeah. and wherever wherever <laughs> and obviously looking forward to continuing that with new band curious city with you yeah which really excited about but yeah when we can eventually get back when we a, can in a noise room yeah absolutely uh yeah, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's been it's been a privilege, man. So thank you for all those yeah, you too. All those years of your creativity and support as well. So uh, it means everything. Cheers, man. And uh, obviously a massive shout out to everyone from uh, back in the day in Whitby who were putting those gigs <laughs> on and playing those gigs. That's like some of them, some of them are still playing in, in various other yeah. other bands, and they're all Panda Lasagna. Ah, Panda Lasagna, man. <laughs> great bands so pleased they're still going yeah so many like so many good musicians came out of that that town from those I don't know, five or six years that, that was really yeah. going for it and yeah a lot of them that, that music's just kind of staged with them all the way through their lives and some of them are still playing to this day so it's just a yeah it's just testament a testament to yeah all the all the effort and graft that people put into those gigs back then and uh yeah the sort of creativity and vision of a few of a few so uh yeah well done man i salute you yeah i'm gonna take full credit for all of that thank you very much yeah you know well, you were a big part of it <laughs> you're a big part of it and uh yeah lo- lots of our friends were a big part of that so we were very lucky and, yeah absolutely massively lucky for the people that we were surrounded by yeah so yeah well thank you very much buddy it's been an absolute pleasure yeah man please go register with dkms do the swab in it's very very easy and and please download the ep or just listen to it it's like what please it's people like, just listen to it it's like three quid <laughs> it's like less than a pint yeah. yeah you can you can pay what you want three pounds is kind of our, our our suggestion and i think is it the minimum it might be the minimum yeah i think it's minimum. but yeah i think go on, i think you can on, get the discography it. i think you can get all of our discography for a tenner which is pretty good it's like bargain yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do that do yeah. it yeah, and every, everything that we, everything that, that, that is paid for anything Utox-wise, 50% of that goes to DKMS. Yeah. So, yes, thank you everybody who has already purchased and everybody who, who goes on to. It is massively appreciated. Yeah. And yeah, cheers, buddy, and I'll see you in the flesh at some time. Yeah, in man. The future. Lots of love to Danielle and the kids. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Love to, love and to everyone. Yeah. There it is. That was episode 44 with my delightful buddy, Alan Davis. As we said, please take a few minutes to register with DKMS. Request your swab kit to become a potential lifesaver. Um, if you have some spare money and want to help a great cause as well as get some new rocking music in your ears, then head over to our Bandcamp page, um, links for which are in the description of this podcast it's bandcamp something something utoxator spelt u-t-o-x-a-t-o-r um, and purchase our final ep and um, any other previous releases as well as i said the 50 percent of the funds go to dkms um, i'm not sure when the next episode will be released 
but I will keep everybody updated. Until then, stay safe, take care, and good night.